I'm Leslie Canham. I'm Mary Gavoni. I'm Linda Harvey. I'm Olivia Wan, and together we are the Compliance Divas. Hello, I'm Leslie Canham, and we are the Compliance Divas, bringing you a very special podcast today about the ultrasonic cleaning machine. This makes instruments clean, or maybe not. We bring clarity and simplicity to compliance by navigating the regulatory compliance arena to keep you on course. Uh, We'd like you to subscribe to the Compliance Divas podcast through a podcast channel of your choice or on our website, thecompliancedivas.com. Resources we mentioned during our podcast can be found on the compliancedivas.com website. And we always welcome questions to support at thecompliancedivas.com. I remember the days of hand scrubbing instruments before ultrasonic cleaning machines were popular. Boy, what a task it was. In most cases, those days, we didn't wear exam gloves or utility gloves. So it was quite a dangerous type of task to perform. Today, we want to make sure that we utilize the automated cleaning systems to the best of their ability to protect ourselves, to protect our instruments, and to protect our patients. And I'd like to have our divas talk about the various aspects of the ultrasonic cleaning machine that will make it a better experience for us and do the job the right way. Mary, can you tell us about the types of ultrasonic solutions? Sure, Leslie. The selection of solutions is probably one of the most important decisions aside from selecting the type of ultrasonic um, cleaning unit that you're going to use in, in a practice. There are several categories of ultrasonic cleaning solutions. The one that I grew up with um, was general purpose cleaner that you um, used in your ultrasonic bath. And it did a reasonably good job of cleaning. And then the next generation, especially around the time of concerns of HIV and hepatitis B transmission, was an enzymatic um, ultrasonic solution. The addition of enzymes or enzyme compounds in the solution helps to dissolve blood and other organic debris better than just a detergent solution. So there are many types and many brands of enzymatic solutions. What I would look for is one that was at least a dual enzyme product because there are certain types of substances like fats that are uh, affected by one type of enzyme that's used and then other organic materials such as blood, which is affected by other enzymes. There are even triple enzyme formulas out there. There also are formulas that are affected by temperature and there are some ultrasonic units that actually have heaters in them that heat to a recommended temperature to help make the enzymatic solution work even better for cleaning. What many practices were tempted to do over the years was use an, uh, a disinfecting solution in their ultrasonic or to use um, even an immersion disinfectant, a high-level disinfectant, which we used to affectionately refer to as cold sterile solution so that we could decontaminate the instruments while we were cleaning them. And the problem is that the 
especially the high-level disinfectants, if their glutaraldehydes actually are a fixative on blood. But the other concern is that the type of solution that you need to select has to be at a certain pH that is compatible with the metal in the tank. Otherwise, you're going to damage the tank. So you need to use a product, not dish soap. I've seen practices use Dawn dishwashing liquid because it cleans so well on the dishes and it's cheap um, <clears throat> compared to ultrasonic solutions. But you must follow the manufacturer's instructions for using a product that is designated as an ultrasonic cleaner in order for it to be compatible with the unit and compatible with instruments. There has been a trend toward no rinse solutions that you could take um, your instruments, lift the basket up, let it drain, let your instruments dry before you package them without rinsing. But I've not experienced good success with those no rinse solutions. I'm, I'm old school and I like to rinse that solution and any remaining debris off those instruments. And so then the other factor in selecting your ultrasonic solution is do you want a liquid concentrate that you dilute? Um, do you want a tablet? There are effervescent tablets that you can use. And so you need to do a little bit of research to find out which would be most effective with your type of instruments in your type of ultrasonic unit. Mary, that is so much information and great information to uh, have at hand. I have often heard that with the wrong kind of solution or using a, like a dishwashing soap that you can actually etch your instruments. And I've been told that that can void the warranty on the instruments because once you etch them, they start to corrode or rust and they co-corrode with other instruments. It will also void the warranty on your ultrasonic unit if you're not using it correctly. Well, that makes awfully good sense to make sure we're minding the bottom line in a dental practice. Olivia, can you talk with us a little bit about uh, proper loading of the ultrasonic and uh, some other tips that we might need to have to help protect us? Sure. One of the things I'd like to mention, Leslie, is that I would love for our listeners to take the opportunity to review the owner's manual or instructions for use, because there's lots of valuable information in there on how to operate the ultrasonic unit. But the major function of the basket is to keep the parts, the instruments suspended. And oftentimes when I'm doing a mock inspection, I find that they've either lost the basket or they're not using the basket. And we have to think about how the ultrasonic was designed to work. So the tank actually vibrates and it causes that cavitation action to remove the debris from the instruments and items that we place in it. So if we're not using the basket and those instruments are just laying in the tank on that surface, it can actually damage the unit in addition to prohibiting the desired outcome of cavitation action. So use the basket. Another thing is to be sure that we are following the instructions for use for the time to run the unit. So look at your instructions for use to see how many minutes and based on the brand and the types of items that you're placing inside of the unit. 
And it becomes annoying in many offices when you hear the lid clinging and clanging on the ultrasonic unit. I've been in some offices where we couldn't even find the lid where they were so annoyed by that noise, but we must contain the aerosol that is being generated inside of the unit. And so think about that if you're designing a new office, placing that central sterilization area in a place that would be least intrusive of noise and whatnot. Another thing to look at is making sure that we maintain the tank. Unfortunately, I have seen mold growing on the inside of the lid where the unit was not being cleaned properly. So it might be helpful to have a task schedule to make sure that this is being done in addition to monitoring the ultrasonic to make sure that it is working properly. So Leslie, in summary, it's important to use the basket. It is important to have the lid in place. Never reach into the ultrasonic with just gloved hands, exam gloves. Uh, remember, OSHA requires that we use utility gloves. So another important uh, tip, making sure we have that basket and to follow the instructions for use for runtime and that the lid is in place and we're cleaning and maintaining it properly. And I believe you had a tip, Leslie, on dealing with the noise. Well, that's right, Olivia. Um, I do find it to be rather noisy. And uh, if you have a clean terry cloth towel, like the kind that you would use to dry instruments, if you use terry cloth to dry instruments, uh, to use that, just lay it over the top of the ultrasonic um, with the lid in place, of course. It sort of dampers down the sound so you can keep that lid in place and have a little bit more peace and quiet in your sterilization room. If I could now, I'd like to move on to Linda to ask her what does not go into ultrasonic and a little bit of information about what does go in and, and what you should look for once you remove instruments from the tank. Linda? Leslie, to answer your question, I'd like to tie together two points that both Mary and Olivia offered. And that was, you know, when you use the ultrasonic, being careful not to void the manufacturer's warranty on the instruments you're placing in it, and then also to use the instructions for use. So, so our guideline for determining what goes and doesn't go into the ultrasonic brings us back to looking at the manufacturer's instructions for use. For example, we don't put hand pieces in, we don't put motors, we don't use ultrasonic tips. So understanding that is first and foremost. Um, be sure, as Olivia said, to always use the basket to lift out and then rinse. Never uh, put your hands in, even with the proper gloves, inside that device. That's a very specific, uh, specific no-no as listed in the uh, Bloodborne Pathogen Standard. But when you're taking out the instruments, Leslie, it's very important to inspect them. And I liken this in my presentations to looking at your dishes and your glasses and your silverware when you're unloading your dishwasher. You know, we're, we have to handle every item that comes out of our dishwasher at home in order to put it away, whether it's a piece of silverware or a glass or a plate. And we're always looking at that as we're putting it away to make sure it was clean. So same thing with the instruments. When they come out and they rinse and you, and you place them out on that towel or the area where you're going to you know, begin to sort of dry and sort, is you're looking to see if there's any debris left. And if so, one safe technique would be hand scrubbing very carefully and very judiciously. And that would be using a long handled brush, of course, with all the proper PPE, the face protection, eye protection, uh, face shield, whatnot. 
as well as the heavy utility gloves. And then making sure that you have your arms extended down into the sink so that you're not scrubbing up near your face. And you want to make sure that you're scrubbing gently, very gently away from your body. Leslie, I'm not as, even before we talk about using this safe scrubbing and hand scrubbing, and there are other tips that can go along with that, is I think it comes down to how dirty the instruments are when we're putting them into the ultrasonic. So if we could back up that workflow and say to the dental assistants, are you able to clean off cement as you go along through the procedure so you have less, and hygienists, you know, wiping off um, the calculus and the you know debris and blood on your scalers, that will also make a difference as we go through. Of course, we must be careful not to poke ourselves or, or puncture our gloves or anything as far as safety for our team members. But that's one way you can look at trying to minimize debris as it comes in, at least that it's not dried on the instruments. Because we know a lot of our office today, Leslie, are very busy and they're not always processing the instruments right away. That's a very good point, Linda. And uh, in some cases, I have had dental assistants tell me that it frustrates them that some of the other team members will throw instruments on top of the instruments that are already in the ultrasonic tank, creating that heaviness and weight and also changing the time frame. Some of those instruments have been in there already seven or eight or 10 minutes, and then they put new instruments in. And so um, the weight of the instruments and the quantity of the instruments uh, since, tends to defeat the uh, process of the cavitation that Olivia described. So one thing that might be considered is maybe a pre-soak or an enzymatic spray that goes on instruments that are waiting to get into the ultrasonic tank. And then, of course, a general rule among team members, you know, hey, if the ultrasonic tank is going, do not put more instruments on top of what's in there. Wait till it's done and then remove the instruments in there and uh, and then load yours. And I've, I've had dental assistants tell me that, that 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 little request has made a big difference in their with their team. You know, something else I wanted to address was uh, what happens when you find that consistently instruments are coming out of the ultrasonic tank and they still have debris, not just debris that is hard to get off, like cement that you would have to chisel off. But I'm talking about, you know, the normal debris that you would think that the enzymatic cleaner would have taken care of. It might be that there's something wrong with the ultrasonic it itself. And there are um, ultrasonic uh, monitors that you can purchase, but you can also do a very simple foil test. And I'd like to go through the the steps of that FOIL test with our listeners just very quickly, and uh, we'll make this resource available on our website for download. But it's very simple because we know that the sterility of patient care items depends on complete cleaning. And this simple FOIL test performed periodically will help our listeners ensure that their ultrasonic tank is actually doing its job. Certainly, you wouldn't want to have to do double duty. So your ultrasonic tank should do the work for you in advance. You just take a piece of lightweight aluminum foil. Uh, you cut it with scissors and it should be about the width of your ultrasonic tank and about uh, an inch deeper so that you can hold it above the solution. Prepare fresh solutions for the day uh, that you would normally fill your ultrasonic tank with. And uh, you roughly fill about one and a half inches from the top of the tank. You turn the tank on and set the timer for five minutes to degas. That's the, uh, one of the instructions that the manufacturers of these products of the ultrasonic solutions ask us to do. When the time has elapsed, then you insert the aluminum foil vertically into the tank and you hold that sheet of foil lengthwise across the long side of the tank and centered against 
to tank the whisk. You extend the foil down to the tank bottom and be careful that you don't touch the bottom of the tank or the side. Then you turn on the unit and hold the foil steady for about 20 seconds. At the end of 20 seconds, you remove the foil Carefully dry it, avoid wrinkling it, and examine the foil. It should have uniform pitting and indentations across the part of the foil that was immersed. And that indicates that the unit was delivering uniform cleaning power, while smooth areas actually indicate ultrasonic blind spots. So uniform pebbling of the foil that was immersed means that your unit is working correctly. But if it appears there are blind spots, you ought to retest the unit, just make sure you did your part right. And if a second test confirms the presence of blind spots, you should schedule service and send the foil sample along with the repair request or have that available for your repair rep so the technician can locate the troubled spots. And again, we'll make this step-by-step uh, -step protocol available for our listeners. But what I'd like to do before we close is just spend a few minutes talking about some of the bloopers that we've seen with ultrasonic tanks. And I'll start out with uh, my favorite blooper. Um, I remember working in a dental practice is where we seem to be purchasing a lot of ultrasonic solution. Well, upon further investigation, we found that the assistant was pouring the whole jug of, of the solution into the tank when it was meant to be a couple of ounces of solution and then diluted with water. So uh, be sure to read the manufacturer's directions properly. Another dental office I was at had catty corner ultrasonic tank. It was balanced on the sink. And I was afraid that that ultrasonic, if it was bumped, might fall into the sink. And you can imagine an electrical hazard, especially if it's not plugged into a GFI or ground fault interrupted type of plug. And then finally, I've seen an ultrasonic tank that was under the cabinet tree where you could not lift the basket up. You had to reach into the tank because there wasn't room for that basket to come up out of the tank and still fit under that cabinetry. So location of that tank is very important as well. Do, are there any other bloopers? Linda, you have something you want to share? Two quick things, Leslie. One um, is the fact that uh, I, we, I took a picture of a, in a practice one time where the instruments, the cassettes were overflowing. They were overstuffed, as you mentioned earlier. Don't just keep piling them in. And so the top cassette was hanging, out, up, not hanging, but it was sticking out of the water. Still covered by the lid, but it was not covered and by the solution. And I called that a drive-by. And so my sense that they're just coming in and throwing the instruments in, they were too busy to stop and someone to take care of it that was not appropriate. So I brought it to their attention that this, this, if this had not been caught, would you have caught it? Because obviously the instruments that were not being submerged and cleaned would have had dried debris. And even if it had been rinsed off and then wrapped and sterilized, those instruments were not, would not be sterile, not at all. So Thank you. For us. That's one good thing to bear in mind. It reinforces taking the instruments out and don't pile them in because they're not going to get clean. Even if they were not sticking out of the solution, Leslie, you can't just keep uh, the more crowded the device is, the less effective it's working. Thank you, Linda. Olivia, you wanted to share something. I, I was in an office and I tested their ultrasonic and it failed. So I tested it again to make sure it wasn't my error and it failed again. So I looked on the internet looking for troubleshooting ideas and learned that it was not an ultrasonic for medical use. It was a jewelry cleaner. So big problem. Oh my goodness. 
<laughs> and that's a reminder to our listeners that we want to use uh, devices that are designed for uh, medical use, FDA cleared devices. Um, Mary, you had something else to share. Mine was similar to Olivia's that I had a practice that was using a very large jewelry cleaner and they were having issues with getting their instruments clean. But my other point is not so much a blooper as a question that I get all the time. How often do we change the solution? And so I, I always tell folks at minimum, change it at the end of the day. But at any time during the day that you see a lot of debris or floaters or it becomes cloudy, then change your solution. But also follow the manufacturer's instruction for the solution because they may have recommendations as well as to how often to change it. That's important because as that solution becomes overburdened again, it is not doing its job for us. And we don't have time to be doing double duty. We want our uh, machines to work properly the first time. I just had one more thought that came to mind is uh, in the past, I would see sometimes instruments were rubber banded together or there are special, looks like a ponytail holder that uh, can be purchased by uh, in, through dental dealers. And this actually banding instruments together defeats the purpose of, of the cleaning process because the instruments that are touching each other aren't exposed to that cavitation or solution. So there can be debris or, or a bio burden that's trapped in between these instruments and it's not getting cleaned off. I mean, I understand the concept of wanting to organize, but there are other more convenient ways to organize instruments, such as using cassettes or color coding your instruments, or even taking pictures of your tray setups. So with that, if there are no other bloopers to discuss, I'm sure our listeners probably have come across bloopers on their own. We're going to make the resources available to all of our listeners on the FOIL test and some other uh, recommendations and resources from CDC to help you with your training efforts at your practice so you can bring this information into uh, your practice and, and make sure everyone is working properly with their ultrasonic. We are the Compliance Divas. We bring clarity and simplicity to compliance by navigating regulatory compliance to keep you on course. And again, as always, submit your questions to support at thecompliancedivas.com. And with that, we conclude our podcast for today.